Hello, my name is Melanie Clark, and this is the podcast where I give my shiny two cents about life, love, and all of the above. You are now tuned in to Vodka Melonade. Let me pour you a glass. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Vodka Melonade. I, oh man, it's been a rough week this week. Um, if you don't follow me, like on Instagram um, or Twitter, uh, you won't know, but I was in a car accident on Tuesday. Um, it's, I've only been in two my whole life. Um, I don't count like a fender bender. Not even a fender bender. I think I like chipped the corner of a car once a long time ago, but I think it was parked. So <laughs> um, one other time I was rear ended. That was the first uh, accident I'd ever been in back when I had my beetle um, coming down a hill and there was a guy crossing the street and I stopped. The person behind me didn't see me stop. Boom. Hit the back of my car. Uh, I got it fixed though. So it was fine. Um and that was back in like 2013, maybe 2014, maybe something like that. Um, so yeah, I hadn't been in anything since, but on Tuesday I was on my way to work and I won't get into too much detail cause it's kind of ongoing with the insurance and stuff, but essentially I was making a left hand turn and I was T-boned. Um, it was it happened so fast um, we both cars we ended up on the curb um, took down a traffic light and it was just it was just crazy like it is like I said it just happened so fast most of the impact all of the impact really was on the passenger side thank God because that whole side of my car is you know completely bent in and, and indented and messed up and you know, my car actually somehow ended up on top of the street light and when it was on the ground. So, I mean, I'm, I don't know who actually saw it. You know, I don't know if there's like a ring camera somewhere. I probably don't even want to see the footage, to be honest, because it's a little traumatizing. But I just I can't wrap my head around how I ended up on top of the street light in what seems like half a second. Um, yeah, I was pretty rattled. Um, the other driver was okay. The front of their car is pretty smashed in from the impact. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, we realize you're in an accident. My first instinct <laughs> was to put my car in park and turn off my engine for some reason. Um, and then my next instinct was to like get out of the car and make sure I could walk. And I know I was like pumping, you know, being pumped full of adrenaline um in the moment but I just kept thinking like okay well if I can move my arms and stand on my arms I mean stand on my legs like and walk around that's like a good sign number one and I didn't feel like I'd hit my head or anything my airbag didn't deploy but you know my side of the car didn't really hit anything so I'm, I'm guessing that's why um but the airbags on the other side did go off um the the first thing I immediately felt was um, the front side of the top of my arm from like the shoulder 
down to my elbow it felt really like tender and sore right away like kind of like when you get a rug burn like I'd scraped it really bad and what I assume was from the seatbelt always wear your seatbelt guys I always do but this is just you know I can't imagine what it would have been like if I didn't have my seatbelt um but that's like the first thing I felt and I didn't really feel anything else in the moment um this lady I guess wasn't going by in her car she hopped out and immediately came over to me and she was saying that she saw it or she heard it I forgot but she was saying that she was a nurse and she was like immediately on the phone with um, 911 which was great um, and, and kind of relaying to them what she saw and I didn't realize or maybe I forgot that this is a thing but if you have your your iPhone in the car with you and it detects a crash it'll automatically call 911 so I like grabbed my phone from the floor and I saw that it was already calling, but she was already speaking to someone. So I just hung up the phone, but she was just telling them what she saw. She was just saying, you know, she, you know, this, this girl I'm with, she, she seems to be okay. She's not bleeding or anything. She seems really, you know, and she's about to have a panic attack. Cause I was, I was breathing really heavy, you know, I'm starting to cry. I was asking the other guy if he was okay. He was out walking around immediately starting to take pictures and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I guess he's fine. What pissed me off, though, was that within a minute of being out of my car, the guy was like, yo, this is my grandma car. Like, you got your insurance and stuff. And I was just like, dude, can we, like, make sure we're okay first? Like, <laughs> like I have all that. I'm not out here riding dirty or anything. But, you know, the police have to get here anyway, and they're going to get all that information from us. Like, this isn't like you can just get my shit and then leave. So, and I told the, the lady, I wish I got her name, but the nurse is this black woman. I told her, I was like, he's about to fucking piss me off. And she was like, calm down, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. She was like, just sit down. She was like, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Ah, so I had to do that and really try to calm down. I was thinking like, who do I need to call first? So I called um, my mom. And I'm like, don't freak out. But I was in a bad accident. It's pretty bad. Blah, blah, blah. She was like, oh, my God. Okay. She's like, okay. Okay. I'm going to come down. She was like, just, just, just. Okay. She's like, it's all right. It's okay. So she, I thought she was working from home, which was near where the accident happened. But she was actually downtown. So it took her a little while to get there. Um, so I'm freaking out. I'm crying. Then I have to call work. Let them know what happened. And thankfully, they sent one of the officers who work for, you know, the company and they came and they, they stayed with me until, you know, things got settled until my mom got there. So I'm like relaying stuff back and forth to them, letting them know what happened. Like it wasn't just a fender bender. If it was a fender bender, I would have called real quick and then pulled up like, dang, look at this, you know, but this was just it was on another level. So called work called blue let him know what was going on i'm crying and you know he's like oh my god he's like just you know stay put he was wrapping up some things he lives in the valley so he wasn't anywhere near and this is like at eight something in the morning so traffic is insane um but i let him know and then the paramedics showed up they just you know they took my vitals and everything and you know checked to make sure i didn't hit my head um, and as time is going on and I'm waiting for like my mom to get there, um, I'm starting to get like sore in other areas. So like my arm, my forearm, my hips, my whole like stomach, my sides. 
So I'm guessing like however I braced myself in the accident, like my muscles really tensed around my midsection. I think, you know, the the seatbelt really did its job and held me in. So I, I was really sore from that. And just, you know, just mentally overwhelmed and just freaking out. It's just the worst thing I've ever been a part of. Like there's glass everywhere. And then to add to everything else, it was super embarrassing. I do not like unwanted attention and everyone was coming out of their house people were pulling over getting out of their car um you know there's glass everywhere from my car the ambulances are there you know the paramedics walking around the cops show up it's just it was just a lot and I remember my mom when she when she was there or when she got there the officer from my job was like, oh, there goes your mom. And I turned around and it felt like it was slow motion. I'm like running and like walking to her and like, like, mommy, like, you know, just immediately fall into her arms and start crying like a baby because it was just a lot. And I'm sure it was a lot for her to see instantly too, like to see my car, like just, just completely destroyed like that. And everyone just kept telling me how lucky I was. And, you know, I, I realized I was like, it didn't really hit me till like a little later. But because in the moment, you're just so panicked and in such a state. But I, I really was. And the other guy was, too. Um, but it was it just really, really rattled me really bad. I um, ended up going to urgent care and talked to the doctor and he's looking at my arm and stuff and he's like oh yeah you have a really bad contusion I was like contusion what's that <laughs> and because this sounds like something you would get you know sounds similar to a concussion or whatever but I guess it's just a really bad like bone bruise he said um in my arm from what he's assuming as well was the seatbelt impact and um you know, he just checked me all over. I had like some soreness happening on the left, my left butt cheek. And I do kind of remember um, when the impact happened, you know, obviously I, I spun kind of because I'm going one way and making a left. I got hit up into the opposite curb. And I remember for like a split second going on my side tires, like my whole car going on the left two tires and then coming back down. And I think I kind of bounced a little bit on my left butt cheek because <laughs> that was starting to get sore, like as the day was going on. So the doctor just checked me out. He was going to give me like a shot of something like a pain management shot. And he was like, how do you feel about needles? And I was just like. I don't want any needles like can we just do the regular old-fashioned like ibuprofen or whatever so so he just prescribed me ibuprofen and a muscle relaxer to take at night and he took me off work for a while so just to rest um, and recoup and honestly I'm just you know I'm feeling a little rattled to be driving anywhere I think my car is done um, rest in peace Natasha uh, I got her at the end of 2019, right before the pandemic. And, you know, she, she, she did me good for a while and really have any complaints about her. Um, but I guess I'll have to figure it out, see what I'm going to do going forward about a car. But, um, you know, we have really good insurance. I'm on my insurance with my mom. God bless her. And we have all the bells and whistles. So they're very responsive. They're they're on top of it. They have in-house lawyers and 
you know, they, they help, they're going to help me get my rental car when I'm ready. And it, it's pretty seamless. They email everything. They're very responsive. They call and check in and, you know, they just kind of, they're, they're just really on top of it, which is good. Um, and what you need, cause that's the last thing you want to be worrying about. I know, you know, um, insurance I've had in the past with different incidents that happen, um, you know, you have to chase them down. I'm looking at you progressive. They suck. <laughs> I remember I, um, a while ago when I was working in Santa Monica, I was on my lunch break and I was pulling out of the driveway onto the street and there's like pedestrians going, this girl kind of came out of nowhere and I stopped really short and she's saying that I hit her. And the only thing I felt was her hitting the top of my hood, like with her hand, like, Hey, but she was saying I hit her foot, ran over her foot, whatever, whatever. So she's like taking down my license plate. She called the police and made a report and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was on my lunch break at work. Like I was 10 steps away from my office door. Like it was just so infuriating, but I had progressive at the time. And, um, you know, I called them and, you know, they let me know, um, you know, what the process would look like, I guess, is basically my word against hers. And I was letting them know, like, well, can we pull footage? Cause there's cameras all over this place. Like, I don't like, we need to really talk about this. Cause there's no way I ran over her foot. Cause then at the scene, she was like limping on one foot. Then she started limping on the other. And she was just really being dramatic. She, and then I, at the time I still had my lift sticker in my car. I hadn't done lift in a while, but I still had it on the back of my car, just lazy, didn't take it off. And she was like, oh, and you work for Lyft? I'm going to call Lyft too. So like Lyft was calling me for some reason as if I was still an active employee. And there it was, she was really just going above and beyond. But then, you know, over the next couple of days, I'm like calling Progressive, trying to see what's going on with this. Because uh, you don't want, you know, that you've hit someone on your record. And they weren't getting back with me. They were like, oh, we'll call you back. And they never would. And then the next thing I know, when they do reach out to me, they say that they paid this girl's medical bills already and that I was found at fault. And it was like I had no say in the matter. They just went ahead and just did whatever. But, you know, when stuff like that happens, your rates increase. So it was just a hot mess. I mean, she didn't get anything but her doctor's visit covered. So I don't know what she was trying to get out of that. Um, she was probably hoping to try to sue Lyft for some reason, but I wasn't an active employee. So I think she just eventually dropped it. But yeah, um, we have another insurance company now, 21st century. They're the best. My mom's always saying it. Um, you pay into your insurance just for the what ifs that happen. So you don't really think about the coverage that you have and what they do for you when you need them. But it's times like these where you really appreciate having like all the premium shit, honestly. So shout out to my mom for following in my grandpa's um, uh, steps <laughs> of making sure you have like the tip top, you know, gold star insurance coverage for incidents like these. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to be resting. Um getting my rental car in order, getting all this wrapped up and then, you know, trying to figure out how I'm gonna, uh, get a new car, I guess, which sucks, but you know, it'll, it'll, it'll work itself out. The good, the best thing here is that I'm okay. Um, I still have like little flashbacks if I think about 
uh, the crash for too long and I, it just kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety. Um, today my mom and I were supposed to get picked up from my place to go to the rental car place and they just kind of blew us off. They didn't pick us up like we scheduled. They're supposed to be here at 1130. Um, and we went downstairs. Nobody called us. Nobody was picking up when we called. It's like they completely forgot about us or something, which was really strange. But as we were waiting downstairs, I'm like looking at the traffic and hearing people honk their horns and, you know, seeing people run the red light. And it was just making me a little anxious to even get in the car anyway. So I want to get my rental car situated and just have it ready to go. But at the same time, I wasn't really ready to get in the car anyway. So it sucks they kind of left us hanging, but it gives me a few more days to kind of get my nerve back, I guess. Um, and that's how I was when I had my other accident. You know, I was rear-ended. And, um, you know, now uh, to this day, I'm still very vigilant about checking all my mirrors. You know, if people are riding me, I'll get out of their way or wave them around. Like, if anyone's too close on my butt, I, I hate it. And I'm very, like, overly sensitive about it because that's, I feel like when I got rear-ended, I wasn't looking and I wasn't paying close attention. So now I'm just, like, hyper aware of it. So now <laughs> I'm probably going to be making right-hand turns in a circle for a while. No more left-hand turns <laughs> until, you know, it sounds silly, but, you know, and I probably won't go down that street for a while. I'll probably go around, like, just until I, I, my nerves simmer down about it because it is really kind of traumatizing and for me I don't enjoy driving anyway it's really stressful it gets my blood pressure up it makes me anxious even without having an accident under my belt so um, if anything I it'll probably just help me be a little more careful um, you know keeping my eyes on the road and not having distractions keeping my music down being more patient and just letting people have their way you know speed demons and people who just do all kinds of extra shit in traffic just let them do what they're gonna do my job is to get where i need to go safely um it was really sweet though because when i went to the urgent care blue came all the way down from the valley and he met me and my mom at the urgent care and he brought me a sandwich because he knew i hadn't eaten and I had to take my ibuprofen with food, so that was really sweet of him, and, you know, he's he's so busy, he always has so much on his plate, but he, you know, definitely came out and made sure I was okay, so, you know, a lot of family called me, and people were checking up on me on, like, Instagram, so I appreciate everybody who asked, I posted a picture of my car, and just said RIP Natasha, so, you know, thanks to everybody who sent me a little note and checked on me I really appreciate it I'm okay Natasha's not but I am the other party was okay it was just him and his car just me and my car and you know my job has been pretty flexible and understanding so it is what it is um just be careful out there watch your surroundings take your time you know I think another thing I want to make sure I try to do going forward is just try to not be running late so much like I'm always getting to work like right on time so it's a little more stressful being in the car and being in a rush so I'm gonna really try to 
give myself more time when I'm trying to get somewhere so I don't feel like it's just so urgent, you know, so people are going a little slower or if I need to go a little slower, it won't impact me showing up somewhere on time. So that's something that something positive that I think will come out of here. I'll be a little more um, careful, patient and and plan a little better for timeliness. So. Yeah, I just want to update you guys on that bit. Um, I That's been the majority of my week, really. I've just been at home and um, tending to insurance stuff. So, yeah, other than that, um, I did want to <laughs> hit you guys with a brief movie review. Because <laughs> that's all I've been doing. It's just been resting and eating and, and you know, watching stuff on Netflix I watched the movie Harriet now I know I'm on the late freight came out back in 2019 and everything I heard you know from other people you know they were raving about it they were just like oh my god it's so good such a strong cast it's so well done blah 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 like okay now I give it a solid 6 out of 10 it just didn't really blow me away. Now, overall, um, when it comes to biopics like this, with people who are such strong, prominent figures in history, it's hard to get these things really, really right. <laughs> because, you know, typically the person that the movie is about, they've done so much and you know, they have to do equal parts truth and reality and history and they have to have equal parts of, you know, entertainment value and, and you know, they're under time constraints because you can't fit all of someone's life into a short two to three hour movie even, you know, without some things being left out, without things being rushed, you know, you have to pick and choose what narrative you're going to tell and pray that it's interesting and accurate, you know? And I think that this movie is no exception. I feel like there's so much to Harriet Tubman. Um, some stuff we don't even know. You know, there's some things that, you know, just information that's been passed down. I mean, when you go as far back as this, it's like some of the things I'm like, well, how do we really know? Or, you know what I mean? Like, did that really happen that way? Like, I just start to question it. And I find, like, when I watch movies like this, I'm left with more questions than answers. And there's a lot of loose ends. I feel like they need to be tied up. Whenever a movie like this wraps the movie with, like, those bullet note facts where they're like, yeah, uh, you know, so-and-so went on to do this. And her family did this. And she had this many kids. and But, like... They're pulling, putting all like the little facts in at the end. I feel like that just goes to show like there's just so much, you know, there was so much left to this person's life. And I just feel like this movie just didn't hit as hard as I was hoping. Cynthia Revo, I mean, I don't really know her very well. I know she can sing her ass off um, and people praise her. But she just, it wasn't, she just wasn't that great. She just kept, her acting choices to me, she just kept pulling these really kind of goofy faces to me. And I think she was trying to go for, you know, naive kind of slave kind of fearful 
Yeah, kind of. I don't know what she was trying to pull, but it just it just came off a little like, I don't know. Her face was just annoying me for some reason. <laughs> and I couldn't really get past it until like midway through the movie. Um, and there will be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, but I mean, for the love of God, it's like a four year movie at this point. So if you haven't seen it and it gets spoiled, like, I'm sorry. But um, the first half of the movie is spent, you know, showing a, a, it, it kind of starts with her as a 20 something year old slave and she's you know wanting to get her freedom she's married to um her husband his name is oh that was frederick douglas really okay sorry i was looking at the cast and everything <laughs> and there was a character who I assumed was supposed to be Frederick Douglass, but they never said he was Frederick Douglass. I was just like, damn, he looks like Frederick Douglass. And I was like, wait, I was like, was Frederick Douglass? I was like, maybe. I was like, but they're not saying that's who he is. So that's another thing. It was just little stuff like that that was annoying me. But anyway, she uh, was married um, to a man who was actually free. His name was John Tubman. And... They kind of go into it a little bit. I guess the older slave owners had a will that stated, you know, once I guess his children became of a certain age that I guess Harriet, her name was Araminta. She went by the name Minty in her early years. I guess at a certain point he wrote in his will that she and her family were supposed to be free. And I guess, um, John, her husband, who was a free slave, um, he got a lawyer, they got the will, they took it to the, to the, you know, her slave master and presented it to him and told him like, look, you know, are you going to honor this? And of course he wasn't. So that's, you know, part of what got her to get the fire to want to escape. Cause she's like, okay, if he's not going to honor you know, free me and my family. Like I have no other choice. I got to get out of here. Plus her husband was refusing to have children with her because he wanted her, their children to be born free. So I think he was hoping that that will situation was gonna help and they're gonna be able to go off together and have free, free children. Um, but that wasn't the case, but he was like, no, we're not having kids. I don't want to have kids with you. You slave. So basically he loved her and everything, but that's just what I got. So, you know, the first hour of the movie is spent, you know, with her trying to lay the plans and at first her husband was going to go with her, but she was afraid that they were going to get caught or if they did get caught, that he was going to be re-enslaved. And she didn't want that for him. So she took off in the dead of night by herself. We see this journey, you know, and all this these things she has to go through to um, get to Philadelphia, which is where she was headed. And I don't know, it just felt like, it just felt kind of rushed. Like the first hour of the movie dragged to me, but it also felt rushed at the same time, which is really strange. But it was like, it, it, I don't know. It didn't seem as they didn't portray it as like such a, a harrowing journey as it as I imagine it to be as as I learned it to be in school. And it, you know, as as cinematic as and 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 really deep and and 
tremendous as they could have portrayed this segment of the movie I just I was really underwhelmed and then by the time it really started going and it was getting a little like oh is she gonna make it it was like it was over and it was like you know that's free now like it was just it just happened so suddenly <laughs> um Janelle Monet is in it I she's not a bad actress but you know she just seems to pop up everywhere she was okay in this um she was in philadelphia she played a character named marie buchanan uh who assisted you know uh harriet which she changed her name to harriet um after a certain point um when she got there uh, she assisted her with kind of you know getting used to being in a city where she is free and and acclimating um leslie odom jr is in it he is also a character that assisted her and you know getting her getting a job getting her life together as a free woman um and he also assisted you know uh, a system of people in the north that assisted slaves um who were on the run and that was the Underground Railroad. Now, I thought she created the Underground Railroad, but I guess she was just like the, the the most badass conductor that they had. But it was already like a system in place. But she was just excellent at getting slaves to freedom. Um, so, yeah, the first hour is spent, you know, with her trying to get to freedom herself. And then the second half is her, you know, going to get other people starting with her family and then just others she initially went back um to where she was enslaved because she wanted to go back and get her husband she was away for an entire year she got word out to her family and to her husband that she was safe and that she'd made it and she never heard back from her husband or anybody so she was worried about him so she told you know everyone like look I gotta go back I gotta get him like you know without my family without my husband like I'm just I'm just I'm just a stranger in a strange land like I'm free but not really you know so she went back made the journey it was like 100 miles she went back and she found her husband but he thought she was dead that was basically you know the rumor she was assumed dead and he ended up marrying someone else and not only that he had knocked her up he married a free woman and they and she was pregnant so that was the most <laughs> juicy interesting part of the whole movie because harry was so upset she was like you married someone else like you thought i was dead like and and then what really hit home or really was like a slap in the face really was that he said he did hear that she was safe but by the time he found out he was already married but I'm like you couldn't get like a word out to her write her a letter like let her know what's going on like you know she's alive even if you're married and moved on like you could have let her know but you know that that was pretty i wonder if that's really how it went down or if that's just for cinematic purposes i don't know but that was a pretty interesting scene but you know she came back for him but during the the couple days that she was there she realized that there were other slaves who were ready to run as well so you know she went back to get her husband but it really opened up another door um you know of maybe her realizing her purpose 
of what she really came back to do. And that really got the ball rolling for her, you know, helping so many slaves get their freedom. Now, they also touch on the fact that uh, Harriet, when she was 13, she suffered a really traumatic head injury at the hands of her slave master. And it put her in a coma for two months. And she awoke from the coma but she suffered from fainting spells and she would have like these visions and in these visions you know she felt like it was God speaking to her she would she could kind of get messages and see visions from him and I, I would have to do some more research I never heard about this or maybe I did and I just didn't really understand or really retain it but I don't know it was <laughs> the way they were depicting it in the movie it was giving a little that so raven and no doubt that a traumatic brain in an injury like that that puts you in a coma there's no doubt that you might suffer from some ailments some fainting spells even visions and things like that but they were just so like convenient the way they portrayed it in the movie there's like you know she'll be going through the woods with the other slaves and then um she'll you know pass out or she'll drop to her knees and get a vision and she'll see that you know the slave uh catchers are just to the left so she'll snap out of it and she'll be like we's going right and then they go to right and then everything's fine and it's just it was just so they just made it so convenient you know what i mean and i'm like i wonder how it really was um i don't know that that was a little a little magical and fanciful for me um I, i'd love to do a little bit more research and see exactly what that was about um i mean it worked for her you know speaking to god having these visions obviously it worked but it was just so like she passes out and they're like yeah don't don't go under the bridge go over it you know she'll wake up and be like let's go so <laughs> i don't know that kind of took me out of it but i'm being a little nitpicky on that um Another thing that was kind of frustrating to me were some of the casting choices for some of the the, the slaves um, and just people in that time period in general, whether they were slaves or not. There's this thing where um, <laughs> some actors, when they're in movies that are period pieces, TV, TV or movies, whatever, sometimes they have too modern of a face and it doesn't, they don't suit the time period. It's something about their face that's just off. No matter what kind of costuming they have, no matter what the set looks like, what they do to their hair, the makeup, they just have a really modern face. And it's a face that I've read and it makes sense to me. A face that looks like they've seen an iPhone in their life. <laughs> and their face is just too modern. And there was a lot of people in this movie who just they just didn't suit the time period to me and that also kind of takes me out of the movie as well um the way they spoke the way they looked um and I know it comes down to acting as well so it just a, a lot of the performances just didn't land and that kind of affected my rating of the movie overall as well I felt like you know the ending was a little bit rushed but again like i said you can't fit every single thing about um you know a historical figure into a two two and a half hour movie it's just impossible but i think when that's the case it's just it's the people who are on this project it's their responsibility to 
you know, take the information and put it together in a way that feels whole and informative and, and realistic, you know, and true. Um, otherwise, it's going to be lackluster. Like, I think this movie was overall. Um, glad I didn't see it in a theater. Um, I would have wanted my money back. <laughs> so I'm glad I saw it on Netflix. Um, it also took me two nights to finish it because um, it was just, I didn't, I didn't want to give up on it, but I was starting to fall asleep. So there's that. I also, I, I know that back then the slaves used like hymnals and, you know, um, different gospel songs to communicate with each other. And I know it gave them like instructions on how to escape and how to find the Underground Railroad. I get that. But there was a lot of scenes in the movie where Cynthia Erivo as Harriet would be like on the edge of a field and she'd be belt facing this this hymnal as a signal to these slaves to come running to her. And I'm just thinking practically like I know that they use this to communicate amongst each other like while they're in the fields, like making their plan for the evening or whatever. But it just didn't seem realistic to me that in the dead of night, Harriet could be belt facing this song to get their attention. I'm like, wouldn't she have been found out? Wouldn't have like slave catchers in the area here? Wouldn't the plantation owners hear that? So, and I know that Cynthia Revo is a great singer. So I know they wanted to portray a little bit of that as well, but to what end, to what, at what cost? You know, the cost of the realism of it, it just, it was just a little frustrating. Like, they didn't have to put that in there in that way. They might as well have just given her a microphone. That's, that's, it was just <sighs> a lot of little irritations with this movie. <laughs> but, you know, if you guys have seen it and you have other opinions or if you agree with me, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on Twitter at um, Vodka Melonade. I'd love to hear your opinion. I love ripping a movie to shreds and looking at the pieces and seeing what went wrong. Nothing gives me greater joy. <laughs> on, a, on the flip side, uh, Blue came over this week and we watched The Holiday, which is a perfect movie. It is with Jack Black, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, the most handsome Jude Law you've ever seen. It's one of the best movies to watch at Christmas time. I'm not going to get into a breakdown of that because it's, there's nothing bad to say. And I couldn't say enough positive things about it without going on for another hour. So I recommend watching The Holiday. It is on Hulu if you have it. It's such a sweet rom-com. Um, it'll make you want to cry. It'll make you laugh. It'll, you know, it'll hit home in certain parts. Blue'd never seen it, and he was, like, so into it. Love him so much. I can just put on, like, whatever, and he'll watch it, and he'll give it a good, honest try. And he's not too macho to not be like, oh, that was really sweet. Like, God bless him. What a guy. <laughs> what a movie. <sighs> so I think I'm going to wrap this up here, guys. <laughs> I um I need to go and try to take my ibuprofen I and 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 relax a little more. I'm starting to get a little tender. I was trying to take it earlier when my mom was here and I almost choked to death. It was pretty bad. I had to like cough it up and it came shooting out of my mouth and landed on the counter. They're just so huge. Whose bright idea was it to make 
extra strength ibuprofen the size of a hockey puck make it make sense so probably gonna crush that up and take it the quick and dirty way because i cannot take it as is but i definitely need it um sitting up at this computer is starting to make me a little more sore than i was a couple hours ago so uh bear with me hope you guys enjoyed this episode i definitely wanted to get it out there while everything was still fresh and um tune in next week i i pray that i have a more smooth week and i will and and so it shall be (laughs) bye Hey guys, if you made it this far, thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. From the bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate it. Now there's a new episode every Sunday, so be sure to come on back for another round of Vodka Melonade. Bye.